Hey, potential podcast listeners, let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in discreet packaging. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician, and a member of the Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. And Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So, if you want to avoid an uncomfortable office visit or prefer the convenience and get tested at home, visit trylgc.com potential and get 25% off your test using code POTENTIAL25. Once again, that's 25% off your test by going to trylgc.com potential using the promo code POTENTIAL25. Take charge of your physical health and well-being, and let's get checked. Hey, potential podcast listeners. This podcast was created to be a source of fun and entertainment, and although we love to nerd out with you, one thing we do take serious is mental health. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, then our sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. You can talk to your therapist in a private, safe, online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise with BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network that gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. All you do is simply fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and then you get matched with a therapist in just under 48 hours. After that, you can schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. Join the over 3 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Our listeners will get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com potential. That's better, H-E-L-P, dot com slash potential take charge of your mental health with better help and remember know your potential talking all things entertainment pop culture and nerdum this is the potential podcast Guys, 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 oh my gosh, the time has come. Probably the biggest movie of the year. Well, we kept saying that for multiple things, but truly, after seeing these trailers, Spider-Man No Way Home was just released this past weekend. Broke all these records for the amount of people, the trailers, people that try to buy tickets. It was nuts. We're recording this a little bit before this came out, so this is just our anticipation for it. But guys, we cannot have a Spider-Man review come out this week and just not talk about Spider-Man in film. I mean, it's a huge topic. We have so many movies, 
so many actors. This is true. And um, I think we've been wanting to, Chris and I, I think there's one superhero that's probably one of our favorites uh, that's, you know, in this, you know, in cinema would probably have to be Spider-Man. I mean, next oh, to, come on. yeah, next to Batman, it's probably one of our top ones. And we've been talking about this and we, uh, we have such a love for the spider films. Uh, so yeah, this was just a, this is a no brainer. So of course, before we went back into, you know, talking to this, we had to go back and revisit the film. So we didn't come in this half cocked. We were definitely fully cocked uh, for this film uh, review. Uh, so we're just going to go back and talk about this. And it was just, I got to say, you know, this kind of a joint venture on this one. I mean, everything the podcast is, but I, we, we had talked about this, like, I think when we started the podcast that we had to talk about um, Spider-Man. And I was glad that we got to go back and watch these films, particularly, um, you know, starting from the beginning, um, especially when we were introduced to Spider-Man. And um, we have to kick this off with the OG, because every franchise, there's always the OG actor. You got Sean Connery, James Bond. Uh, you know, you got Michael Keaton, Batman. Well, also Adam West. But of course, with Spider-Man was Tobey Maguire. When we got to see the first Spider-Man on film, 2002, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Oh. And you have to like, think, too, that coming off of, you know, like X-Men had just like come out, I think, in 2000, I think, was the first X-Men or something around there. Yeah. So we're getting a little bit better quality of superhero, you know, film. We're, you know, coming off of Blade, uh, going to movies like X-Men and, you know, at this point in time, we are getting a little more of those cheesy Batman movies, but it's like, we're, we're starting to see a new trend to, all right, now we're trying to actually take the superhero genre serious and make it cool and make it cool, make it, you know, you still could have the, the, the comic book element, the camp, uh, the humor, but we want to see like really cool action sequences, really gripping stories, you know, the acting, and there's no character better that I think just pulls on the cinematic screen better than Spider-Man because Spider-Man, you know, there's all these heroes, especially now we look at the MCU and we'll talk about Tom Holland later. The MCU, which has been probably the most popular, you know, <clears throat> variation of superheroes, you know, in the last uh, 20 years. So many of those characters, not everyone can really relate to because it's unique circumstances. Peter Parker has always been especially for young, uh, the younger generation, it's like he is that kid that, you know, is in high school, we can all connect to and him getting these powers and him having to find that responsibility, you know, having that hero, you know, side to him, but he's still that nerdy guy that everyone loves. So it's like, you can always connect to Peter Parker. And I think, you know, X-Men was a good movie, but Spider-Man really was the first superhero film that like really changed the game. Uh, and to see a live action Spider-Man, I mean, flying around, doing all these stunts, it was amazing. So, yes, we first had Sam Raimi directing 2002 with Tobey Maguire. And, you know, Tobey Maguire, you know, I haven't rewatched these films. I haven't seen them in a while. I think he is the best Peter Parker of the lot um, because he really, you know, Tobey Maguire, he, he has that really like heartfelt neighborhood kid you know he's got that side that you know he he is the nerd he has that uh wanting to be bigger than himself complex you lack, know lack, lack of the confidence and he does in that very good bookish feel to him yeah and so for him to get these powers and just the the you know this i love how this first film does really follow that you know goes to the the Oscorp, they, you know, you know, or the, the see the, the spiders, him getting bit by the spider, you know, taking the picture of MJ, 
you know, Kirsten Dunst as Mary Jane and we're getting James Franco as Harry Osborne, Osborne and, you know, Willem Dafoe. It's like you're getting all these great cast of characters that's going to play into the rest of, of this trilogy. Uh, but that whole sequence of him getting in the powers and starting to, you know, it's like the vision starts to get better. All of a sudden he's a little buffer. Uh, and the scene that I, I think no matter what, if you've seen all these Spider-Man films and love them, the one I'll never forget is the first time he tries to use the web. <laughs> and is it is hilarious it is hilarious you know because you're like you wouldn't know how to do it the first try and then you know uh fly go web go <laughs> you know up up and away web shazam yeah which is funny to have all these kind of like almost dc references that he's you know trying out because he would be a comic reader you know well and there Parker. would be a, and there would be a lot of uh, dc references like superman and whatnot um and what's actually funny though and because a lot of comic book purists will be very annoyed with this first iteration you and I, I think you both, were you familiar with the animated series like back in the 90s? Like I, I remember I, watching a fair amount of it. I wouldn't say that, you know, I watched all of it. Um, but I, I was never a purist and that. So when I watched Spider-Man, I'm like, he's got natural webbing. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. But I think a lot of people were like, oh, it doesn't have the web shooters. I'm like, okay, whatever. But I thought that was really just kind of cool how it was like a, a natural webbing. I was like, that that made like more sense to me. Like, okay, he's he's more spider. So has he never had natural webbing in the comics? And so in the comics, apparently he did later on. But from the very beginning, he had developed the web shooters. And I think that okay. was the idea that not only had these powers and these reflexes and strength, he also was his super mind. Like he was very inventive. And I think that's that was the the thing about that so this is the this is very uh big for the purists for me i had no bother about it but also that time period i feel like the early 2000s even though things were starting to you know progress heavily we weren't so tech savvy like we are now um so i think it makes a little more sense that later on they would really incorporate as many you know garfield has a, a bunch and then holland would have even more uh tech gadgets but I think it's fine. He has that. And then actually, I always remember too, if you actually do the Spider-Man, if you do that hand gesture and touch where you, you know, the two finger touch, you actually see your vein move. So actually it makes sense. That's like how it would work. You know, they probably thought about that and said, well, I mean, it actually, so to have him have natural web, I think is a, and it, it works too. Then in, when later in you get into number two, when he starts to have frustrations, uh you know with with mary jane stuff that it starts to stop working you know because of his inner turmoil uh but i mean it was a great suit and you know there's there's definitely you know for 2002 there is some moments that are a little cgi that don't work as well but you know you can't have your hero without your villain and probably still one of the best villains to date of any comic movie Willem dafoe as green goblin and norman osborne is fantastic and just the right amount of uh menace but also a little bit of that camp chewing up the scenery you know it's almost like norman osborne was like the the joker of the you know MC, the marvel uh, cinematic universe or the marvel and films and comics and i think that's also great what we see with raimi did very well with these films um is that there was the right the right amount of camp i thought because spider-man is very goofy with his quips and such but just yeah, there were some some scary elements where you're like, it's a little intense. But I mean, for a kid, I mean, this came out I was 12 years old. It was like a couple moments. Like I just remember, like it was like some scary stuff. Like, oh, this is pretty intense. And Willem Dafoe really blurred that line very well. Um, and I love as the film goes on, the mask starts to fade between who's Norman, who's the Green Goblin. Yes, the Jekyll and Hyde 
element, which I think was really cool. And like, I love the scenes when he's in his penthouse and you see, you know, the, the big, the big tall mirror. And so like, he's talking to himself. Oh, when he did that, like one take, I think it yeah. was pretty much. Yeah. But like, he's talking to himself, but it's like, he's, you know, having that Jekyll and Hyde of Norman to the goblin. And I mean, it was cool. Like I, I just always remember that and his voice. I mean, he has that voice. He has that smile in the face too. And that's, that's all natural folks. It wasn't like Nicholson or any prosthetics to, you know, uh, but no, that's always been true. Looking at all the Marvel characters, Spider-Man compares to Batman with the best rogues gallery has the most villains uh, and the most memorable villains of any, you know, a lot of the Marvel movies that have come out in the last 20 years. Sometimes you're like, who's that villain? Uh, almost everyone can recognize a bunch of the Spider-Man villains, even if they haven't been huge fans of the series. Uh, and we've gotten variations of those villains over the years, but Defoe will always stand up as uh, one of the best. And so, of course, to see him back, uh, you know, as we're looking at No Way Home and seeing these villains come back was a, a huge uh, excitement for fans. You know, think, you know, 19 years later, yeah, he's back in action, baby. Yeah, to think that in, to these guys, these actors that come back, like think they would ever play these characters again, like is crazy. But to see the fan base of like, you know, because I'm like, I'm like looking at 2002, it was like I would have been just ending eighth grade, I think. So yeah, like, you've been, you've been going into high school. Like this is like so. proper time where I was like, yes, yeah, you know, we grew up with Peter, literally. Um. You know what's also what's also great about that film? I thought was just um, just very well done is is setting up that stuff. And what's also great about yes, we're talking about the CGI wasn't as great at the time, but those the action scenes, the close up fight scenes, that first movie, it was so visceral and bloody. Like that final fight at the end when he just kicking the crap out of Spidey and his his whole like um, the mask you know, is ripping up. The and mask stuff is ripping and... up. He's bloody and beaten. That was really great. I just remember, like, that was intense for, like, and you're talking about this this time of movies coming out. The movies are getting a little more intense. It's not as the, you know, you think back to, like, whoop, bang, bang, you know, it's intense. Yeah, and it's, like, it's not it's, Power Rangers anymore. It's, yeah. it's no, we're, we're seeing death. We're seeing blood. Uh, we're seeing consequences. And, like, yeah, there's there's moments where it's, like, oh, it's it's fight or or die. And that's that's something that continues in the series, but. Yeah, you're getting that. It's still that camp, but it's it's got the edge because it has to have the threat because, you know, and as many villains do, they go after the family or go after the girl. And, you know, Rosemary Harris is being attacked as Aunt May and that whole scene of ah, us. Finish it. Yeah, oh, yeah. That, that was that, that. Oh, my gosh. That was so intense. Crazy, right? I love when he call when he calls Mary Jane and then he's just like, can Spider-Man come out to play? It's just so like. I never forget that. I still go back to and to think that, oh, this is what I want to say. The memes. This film has spawned such a great meme of Norman Osborn when he says in the movie, uh, Harry tells me quite the science whiz, you know? I'm something of a scientist myself. And now it's still to this day, they're just it's you could just change. You know, I'm word. something of a homosexual myself. Yeah. <laughs> still my favorite when it's uh corporations around gay pride time. Uh but yeah, it's like that first film it, it holds up because it sets up you know, you're setting up this world, this universe. A lot of these characters are going to continue through the trilogy. Of course, J. Jonah Jameson, J.K. Simmons, perfect casting. Uh, which, you know, if you really look at, like, best comic book casting of all time, he's up there. Uh, just hilarious. Uh, <laughs> do you trust anyone? 
I trust my barber. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, give me a, give me a picture. Page nine. Uh, so funny. But all these characters and even like there's some people in the movie that, you know, they don't pop up again later. But like to think of like uh, I always say his name wrong, but like I love how in this first film, you know, Flash is played by Joe Manganiello. Uh, Joe, yeah. Who, of course, would go on to, you know, do so much more. And, you know, we're waiting for him. I mean, he had a little bit as um, as uh, who he playing? Slade in Wilson, League? Deathstroke. Deathstroke. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm hoping that, you know. Hopefully we'll get a, a HBO series with him or we'll actually get that Ben Affleck Deathstroke, you know, Batman movie. But it's just fun to you know, see him and be like, oh, my God, that's him. You know, and then, of course, Sam Raimi is what's continue in this trilogy. Um, his his allegiance to uh, actors that he's worked with in the past. Uh, Bruce Campbell, uh, you know, does a cameo in all these movies. And his as, brother, as, Ted Raimi. <laughs> yeah, as different roles and. I just love, you know, in this first film, it's the whole uh, the wrestling scene where Peter's trying to get money. And he's like, you know, what's your name, kid? And he's like, the human spider, the human spider. Yeah, it's my name. It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so I still laugh at that. One of the one of the best jokes. In and, the the, film. you know, I think that's the Spider-Man and that's what sticks. Uh, but yeah, it's a fantastic film. And also cool moments that you know stand out iconic in cinema history, like the upside down kiss of uh, Mary Jane and, and Peter Parker. We, when you know. superhero movies could get a little steamy. It was rainy folks. And you know what rain happens when it's cold. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a great first film. And I think it's great too, that they set up that now Harry's going to be a little upset because Spider-Man, you know what he thinks Spider-Man he killed, he killed his, his dad. dad. He's got this, this romantic tension between him and Mary Jane and now Spider-Man's out in the scene. And so going into Spider-Man 2, you know, now we're getting Alfred Molina coming in. This is two years later. Uh, we have Otto Octavius, which we know is, of course, going to turn to Doc Ock. Spider-Man 2 still holds up as probably one of the best spider not only one of the best Spider-Man films, but one of the best comic book films of all time. This is when, you know, it's crazy to think just two years later, how much more they were able to do CGI-wise. You know, just that's how quickly these things were picking up. The amount of stuff they do that's practical, but then also CGI with, with the tentacles. Oh, the tentacles. What an achievement. Is amazing. I mean, it is so cool. And, you know, this is the time and age where we kind of talked a little bit about this in the Matrix. Sometimes you're getting these fight scenes where a lot of it is CGI. I feel like a lot they try to do as much practical or, you know, with close ups of the actual actors. And it really it highlights. I mean, there's some really great fight sequences uh, that bank high scene them going up the tower you know he's got Aunt May and all that stuff is a is a great sequence and then of course the train sequence is just one of the best comic book sequences of all time I mean it is so cool and that's another one that actually has been a really funny gif um <laughs> of you know Peter's using all the web to stop the train and his face looks like he's like he's going number two or something he's just like you know his face is intense some intense facial acting uh, from Tony Quire this film. But I love the I love the kind of Frankenstein element that they went with with Doc Ock. You know, it's like, you know, with the, the inhibitor breaks and you know the the tentacles kind of take over him. You know, and they're uh, and you know you mentioned this. We talked about this before. Um, you know, Sam Raimi coming from a horror background, having those moments in these movies where it could be a little more horror. Uh, you know that well, hospital that, scene that hospital is... scene still intense because it's just that feeling of dread and because it's a pg-13 movie you can't show a lot but even and i think that's what's so great about 
good horror films is not showing the gore and like oh my gosh like I mean his tentacles take out this entire hospital staff and you're like oh my gosh and like still this is only like um two years later and still for young kids coming to see the second one they're like oh my gosh that's it's a little intense but I like it because it, it does have that bit of edge like okay you know Green Goblin was met was just a nutcase this guy like he will mess you up he'll mess you up and these are these are very powerful these you know these tentacles and the fact that it's ai they have a mind of their own so uh you know they're they're they can do a lot of stuff they're very strong they're very you know he's got a blade in them you know like i love how that one you know it's like a big harpoon can like come out of you know one of the tentacles Shame on you yeah um that's a great villain and i and it's a great villain too where whereas you know norman osborne Yes, he's a scientist, but he was a, a greedy scientist who really wanted money. And he wasn't very and he wasn't very likable in the terms of his relationship with Harry. And and he, there was always a sinister undertone from him from the beginning. Like the, the walls are cracking already with Doc Ock from Molina. He's very charismatic in the beginning. You really like like him as a mentor to Peter. And it's like, oh, you could see how he's taken under his wing. And it's like. You know, first he's like, I don't have time for students. And it's like, well, Harry Osborne now has taken over the company for his father's dead. Yeah, yeah. He's like, come on, I'm paying the bill. You got to take Peter around. And then, yeah, we get this great scene where he's like, he's like, look, you know, science is all I know. But how did I get my wife poetry? And he's kind of giving him tips of like how to get the girl, you know, and to see him. Yeah. Kind of go down the Frankenstein route of he becomes this monster. But to then in the end sacrifice himself like i love that that's how the story ends it's not that peter defeats him it's that he he becomes better than what he has turned into well you get two villains who die in in a very poetic way and norman dies because of his own you know you know of his own device and uh, doc ock gets to you know I don't, i'm not gonna die a monster and i thought it was really cool going back and watching that i saw this thing on tiktok they said I love this little thing where the tentacles, when they have taken him over, they're red, they're red dots. But when he has control of them, it's white light. Yeah, so I thought that was cool going back in these little little uh, things that you can see. But also in this film, got to talk about, uh, you know, as I kind of said earlier, a concept that, you know, I, I do love about these Spider-Man films, especially, is the the choice, the, the choice aspect of, you know, can you just throw away the hero costume? Can you can you not be the hero? And, you know, a big part is, you know, he tells Mary Jane, if there never was a need for Spider-Man anymore, then I would be with you. You know, it's like he knows that if he if he didn't have to protect the city and do what he has to do, maybe he could be with her. And he does for a while. He he tosses the suicide. Um, he's losing his powers and he doesn't want anymore. But it's like they're not really working out. You know, it's like and which I kind of love that there is like he finally tries to not be spider-man but it, it doesn't work out for him it's like you know he knows he has to in the end and there's these great moments where he like some person gets beat up in the alleyway who walks away but then he sees this fire he's like i gotta help this person this is him with no powers and he saves this kid but then he finds out there was one person he could have saved and it's like i was like it, it's it's dark at times and it's and i think that's why this movie going back it's still been rated one of the best Superhero films, one of the best Spider-Man films, because there is such a great inner turmoil uh, between them. Um, 
what I also like about this, like we talked about the first one, these films do a great job of giving you little tidbits of characters throughout the comic book lore that will potentially you know, pay off in the long run or something. We get in this movie, Mary Jane is engaged to J. Jonah Jameson's son, who would actually play, um, who actually in the comics, he's the one who brings the Venom. The Venom symbiote, yep. There's also where he becomes like a, a superhero or a supervillain, I believe. And then we also get uh, Dr. Connors. Dr. Connors, who we would know becomes a lizard. So there's a lot of these little like tidbits that throw it in like, okay, there's some things that, you know, if you are a, definitely a comic book aficionado, you will really appreciate it. I think Rami was really conscientious about that. It was even, I think it's, I think it's the first film. It's either the first film or the second film. There's a moment where uh, I think it's the first film because this is how Peter Parker ends up getting the job uh, taking photos. Cause of course he can take photos himself with Spider-Man. They go, we need a photo of the Spider-Man character. And he's like, Brock's out. He's trying. He's been out, no, he's been out and on a week. Yeah. So they do reference Eddie Brock very early. So even though we don't get him till third film, it's you know, they're they're keeping you in the loop with all these characters. So I did like that they they were trying to, you know, because at this point in time, being that there was no MCU, there was no uh change in, you know, who's gonna play this, there probably was potential to be like, we could keep making Spider-Man movies as long as people keep coming to him. And that's what leads to really part three, where although there's some great stuff in it, and this is where really, in terms of the CGI, it is the best of the the Rami trilogy. It has the problem of too many villains, and it's it's just not a good Venom. Uh, and that actually, if you look at a lot of the history, that was not on Sam's doing. That was the studio. They wanted that. So he originally just wanted to do Sandman. That's all he wanted for part three. And then, and then, and then dealing with with um, Harry, yeah, yeah, resolution, which put him perfect. But they wanted Venom in there, and which is why it is kind of shoehorned throughout the film. Um, and then we get, you know, Eddie Brock as Venom in the end. And I will say, Thomas Hayden Church as, uh, you know, Sandman, I think is a great villain. And it, from the CGI standpoint, was really cool. There's some great action sequences where, you know, like similar to Green Lantern. He can transform his body in all kinds of sorts where sometimes it is a is it is it's solid, you know, like a rock, but sometimes it is like just a sweeping sandstorm. And there was some really cool just action sequences, like you know, they're fighting next to the subway. He's like knocking his face into the train and like it's just like breaking apart and and you know, he becomes this huge sand monster in the end. I mean, like there's some cool moments and how you can become like a giant fist, all stuff, but it's like you're seeing the you're seeing the sensitive side is he's doing all this because of his daughter. You know, he's on the run. And it was a very different villain where it wasn't like a mad scientist thing in the last two or, you know, that he was a reluctant villain. You know, yeah, he was a criminal, but he was doing things for the right reasons. I didn't like, though, I don't know, like for me going back and watching it, I thought they had a shoehorn that he was responsible for the real killer. Yes, that was stupid. That was that was a, a bad call because it was like. It gave him more of a like, oh, this is the reason I gotta beat this guy up, you know? It, it was kinda like and I think not I think it would have been better if they did do the black suit, you know, have it in the film, but then leave the black suit leading into another film. Into a fourth film, yeah. Yeah. And I think that, that would have been better to take that out. Which I mean that it was like the black suit, you know, to give Peter more power, um, which he's gonna need anyway. And you know, yeah, we have Harry now as like the new goblin. Uh, he wants revenge for because he knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. So he's at odds with his best friend. Um, and now we have this love triangle with Mary Jane. 
it's like he that giving him a little bit of that boost. Now he has more power, but of course it, it brings out the darker side in him, which leads to some of the stupidest stuff in this film. I mean, him with that terrible hair, he's trying to hit on all these girls. Um, he's dancing. This is where like it gets to the campy where like it wasn't a good choice. It was like, ugh. Um, but I will say one of the best sequences of the film, uh, again, talking about Bruce Campbell, who was great as the usher in part two in part three, him as the MC, you know, like, as the, 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 um, the, 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 uh, like the concierge, the, um, yeah, like the, uh, the, the waiter, the mayor, the mayor, the there you go. The mayor D um, at the restaurant where he's trying to propose <laughs> and constantly he's like, he's like, yes, yes. And he's like, Oh, bring that. He's like, and I love how he looks at the ring and he's like, oh, um, it's oh, so oh, small. He puts his glasses like, oh, there it is. What did? <laughs> and then I think, honestly, the casting, uh, if they had to have Eddie Brock in, the casting as Brock, as Topher Grace, was, I mean, he's a good, I think he's a decent performer. But for that role, you need it. And as we see later with Tom Hardy, you need a, and the thing about Eddie Brock, he was always a bigger guy uh, compared to, he's supposed to be more intimidating. And then it's like Venom's going to be, a bigger, scarier version. And it's like, okay, it was just almost like Peter Parker with too much aftershave and gel in his hair. That's basically what he was doing. Yeah, they went they went the direction of someone that is, is like the just matches the height and slim, you know, nature of Peter Parker. Like Thomas Hayden Church could have played a good Eddie Brock. Yeah, exactly. It didn't make any sense. And it's just weird to see this like thin, small venom and and all the moments too when like uh when like the head would like come off but you'd still see like he has like sharp teeth and like veins and stuff and i it was, was just so like, he could get more screen time and they didn't even make his voice scary it was like i want him dead too flint it was just like slightly deeper tover grace but i mean there's some cool action sequences like i do think that sequence of when harry's trying to kill peter um there's some really cool like his kind of surfboard glider is really cool um and you could just tell that the CGI really had increased. And like, there's some great moments in the end with the giant sand man monster and, you know, Harry and him tag teaming. Um, and yeah, it's just like, you could see that like they, they kind of had to go for broke, I guess, in a way, because the studio was like, we need to go bigger. Uh, and it's just Boulder, to the detriment. Nerdier. It's just like, yeah. Cause it's like, it's, 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 a, it's a shame because, Although the movie, I'm sure, in terms of box office, did great. That, you know, was the end for this, you know, you know, there was a plan to do a Spider-Man 4. I know that the plans were going to be to do Vulture. I know it was a big part of what they were planning to do. And they, you know, they, they had set up, you know, like we could have had Lizard. We could have had all this stuff, but it didn't come to pass. But yeah, Spider-Man 3 in terms of worldwide box office was the best of the three. It made 894, it just, just short of $895 million worldwide, uh, which of the three was the, the best, but unfortunately that's where that ended. And so, uh, you know, there was plans to do a Spider-Man four didn't work out. And then we got our first iteration with the amazing Spider-Man in 2012. Uh, under the direction of Mark Webb. And so this was this was neat because for you know we had X-Men going on and you had the Batman Begins, you know, trilogy yeah, going on. We already had uh we had the MCU beginnings had MCU beginnings, begun. but we were only having we weren't having like a whole new take on a superhero we were already were used to. 
uh, and we got Andrew Garfield cast as Peter Parker. And um, and you could tell, like, off the bat, like, The Amazing Spider-Man definitely has a different vibe to it. But I, I like it. I like that first film a lot. It I think Garfield has a... He is a little too cool for school to be Peter Parker, but they were going for a different direction. And I think he is the best Spider-Man by far. Him, that suit already looks really cool, but he really played up. I think when he, when he turned and they do the whole, you know, he, he, they do a little bit different take with, I thought it was strange. The whole, like they're building, like his father was the one that like, built and like made the the science that made these spiders so like they're trying to do this whole like family lineage of like how like you know sins of the father sins of the father <laughs> but him getting the powers they do that kind of whole intro story for him as well but i think his suit and the what he can do power wise uh with his tech gadgets and stuff i think he was the best version of spider-man especially because he he really plays up that kind of fun, intimidating, but jo- jokester. Like, he really is goofy and funny as Spider-Man when he's taking down these thugs and all these people. So I like that element. Uh, we don't have MJ in this. We have Gwen Stacy, um, who we did have. We did have in Spider-Man 3. We yeah, had Bryce, Bryce Dallas Howard. Howard. Um, and this was more, I think, comic book accurate, too, because he met Gwen Stacy before Mary First, Jane. right? Yes. So this was, this was, I think, they were trying to go a closer version. This is the first more comic book accurate version. I think that was exciting. But no, I agree with you. I did like, I, I wish they did have like him play more of the nerdier, awkward person because he was more like, he was too cool to be Peter Parker. You're right. We had a, but, he had a skateboard. I was like, he had Peter contacts. Parker, I was... No, you have glasses and you don't need them anymore. <laughs> Which, I mean, he would wear at times like when he's, when he's at his, uh, you know, when he's with Aunt May. Um, but yeah, it was like he had a skateboard and he kind of had this like, I was like the cool emo kid or something yeah. vibe going Millennial on. Millennial Spider-Man. <laughs> But uh, but it was a cool, you know, I think his action scenes are great. And even then, like the CGI now is even better. So we're getting really cool, like awesome flying scenes, him doing with the web. And to have Kurt Connors, you know, Rizu Fon's playing Kurt Connors and the lizard uh, was really cool. You know, we haven't got lizard on the big screen. And I, I liked a lot of those action sequences. And he was a, I mean, he's huge. See, that's what that's what Venom needed to be was when he turns into Lizard, he's big. Yeah, because, again, I think I think that's the great thing about Spider-Man is when you have these villains. Um, I mean, he's good at like petty crimes and stuff. But when he has a super villain, they've got to be intimidating. And this Lizard was really well. I thought it was very well done, very intimidating, very scary. Um, um, I do like in the comic book animated, this Lizard has more of a pronounced snout. So it kind of threw me off when he has a huge. He has more of a human face. It kind of like remind me of the Goombas from the Super Mario Brother, yeah. you know. <laughs> so yeah. that was that was the only thing that, that threw me off with the face. But like the you know this one's like really intense where he can like Peter Parker is and the great thing about Garfield he gets beat the crap out of him like a lot to this film and like he doesn't heal very quickly like he does eventually but like it's more like oh you know it's not like oh bike master knocked me down that's gonna be gone tomorrow um, it's like okay there's some like he every time like he comes home like. Aunt May is like, what happened to you? Oh, yeah, I fell, you know, ran into a door, you know, a skateboard accident. Yeah, he's getting bruised pretty easily. And yeah, the lizard, like, obviously it's huge. It's very strong. It can climb. Uh, The claws are very sharp. uh, And it can even, like, make its claws go bigger. But it's also, it has the, it still has the brain power of Connors, you know, and that's the threat of him trying to launch this, this weapon that will turn 
everyone into lizards and which that would be i would have liked um what i would have liked to make this better is more of a development of their bond because in the comics he is a really good friend of him he works closely with dr connor's a lot and that's why he does he's more invested in taking like saving him not so much defeating him because he's like i want to save you because you know you're my mentor um so that was kind of i thought they didn't do that connection as best as they could have but I do like how they don't kill off the villain. They're like, oh, we can save him maybe for the future. Yeah, but it makes this is where like it goes off the deep end. Yeah. <laughs> the the post credit scene is Kurt Connors is in prison, obviously because he's been saved. He's not uh, been killed. He doesn't. He still has a little bit of lizard in him, but he needs the serum again to turn full lizard. And then he's like put in jail, and all of a sudden some guy teleports into his his cell and is like did you tell the boy about his father? And I was like, who the hell is this guy? And then he's like, leave the boy alone. And then the guy like disappears. And I'm like, who is that? It's not even a tease. Like at least like with like some of these teases, we kind of have an idea like Thanos. We have this like face, you know, we just got in a trench coat. Like it's some, and I'm like, who is this guy? Um, you know, the Spider-Man universe, even for having some people with cool powers, I'm like, I don't know anyone that can teleport and just like, I'm like, so that was that was the post credit tease for part two. Uh, so we're like, OK, maybe they're going to lead to something. But, you know, Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Now, again, it's like, are we getting the problem of too many villains in one movie? Yes. Um, and it's just I wish they would explore it a little bit more of certain villains. So like, well, here, 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 here's the funny thing about this one. We talked about the best friend thing. His relationship with Harry Osborn is just shoe shoehorned in. Like it's like, oh, hey, we were friends. And <laughs> like, hey, Peter. Like it was so like I haven't seen you in 10 years. You know what? Let's hang out. Great. <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, Harry's been at boarding school this entire time. All of a sudden we have a Norman Osborne. Uh, and he's been sick. And then they they're doing this whole as opposed to finding out some serum that's gonna turn them into the goblin, it's like oh, we have this disease. Uh, by the way, it's, uh, you know, it's uh, something that's passed down. So you're going to get it too. And you're about to, it's about the time your age. It's like, what? Yeah, it just, it just, it just hits you. All of a sudden he comes back and like, oh, now he's. <laughs> Which, yeah, I just, I didn't get where, like they should have set up Norman Osborn in The Amazing Spider-Man. Like it was weird that they go to Oscorp um, you know, and Peter Parker kind of sneaks in this tour and, uh, you know, Gwen works there, uh, Emma Stone's character and that like they should have had Norman Osborn and maybe he would have like recognized Peter and been like not talked to him or something, you know, and speaking of that, we get a casting of Chris Cooper, who is an amazing actor. I could have seen him playing a great goblin. Oh, yeah. And he like he's got what? less than 10 minutes in this film he's wasted in this film he's just like bedridden and he has you know he's a little sickly looking has long nails his eyes are a little green and it's like by the way it's me passed down i think it if they had set up you know because we get this behind the scenes footage of uh his father had been working for oscorp and he's the one that developed the spiders and he had to destroy the evidence and that's why he ran against sins of the father it's like if they had set up in part one that Norman would recognize an older Peter and like decides not to talk to him. And then he starts to get sick by the end. And we see a little bit of him turning the goblin or like, you know, a form of what would be goblin that would have set up more for part two. Or like a little tease where it's like um, the serum that, you know, Connor's worked on, you know, it was really for Norman. And he's like, well, let's try this again. And then all of a sudden like a little flash. We need to, we need to move past 
human testing give it to me and then maybe like yeah a post-credit scene is like his eyes open and he's like full green and like a smile or something that would have been a cool like okay we're getting goblin part two but it's like they have we have paul giamatti (laughs) as great great an actor as he is this is a this is a not good role for him um i just wish they this is another one where it's like comic accurate rhino is a huge guy it's not some mechanical suit I'm like, he, he can get mechanical armor, but it's supposed to be a giant Russian guy that is Rhino. You know, it's supposed to be a huge, like almost like Juggernaut in the X-Men comics. Yeah, I mean, you like, come on. <laughs> so Paul Giamatti, this, like, oh my God. This like, you know, bald with these tattoos. He's like, come on, Spider. I know, he's, like, <laughs> he's like, I'm Alexi, he'll kill you. I'm like, what is going on? Like, I even Spider, even Garfield's like laughing. Yeah, captured so easily. So that's like your first villain that's not going to pop up again till the end because we're obviously we're setting up a, a a Sinister Six movie. You get Jamie Fox uh, coming here as Max, who is going to turn into Electro. Which I, you know, I think it's a great great casting choice because you know Jamie Fox, he's such a he's such a cool guy that I think it's fun when we could see him play a really nerdy character. But it's like his whole anger is he wants to be seen. You know, no one will. You know, everyone walks over him. It's like Spider-Man didn't come to my birthday. It's like what? And also, I hate in I hate in these kind of movies. They did this kind of with uh, with Sandman too, when it's like they try to explain with some scientific way of how a person gets their powers. I'm like, if a human falls in a vat of electric eels, they're not gonna suck up the energy somehow and turn into some. You know, it's like that was their explanation of how he becomes Electro. I'm like, he would just die. He would just be fried and be dead. But it's like, you know, it's like all these electric eels are like biting him and like somehow giving them electric power. And then he's like, don't you know who I am? He's like, who? I'm Electro. <laughs> like, no, I like calls him Sparkles. I love what he calls him Sparkles. Sparkles? The way they designed him with like this blue skin, uh, you know, he's constantly have this charge going through him. And then like the 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 audio element of like whenever he talks, it has like that kind of like electrolyzed. Um, yeah. Hello, uh, Spider-Man. But I mean, there's some really there are some cool action sequences with Electro where like especially at that end where I love how they can do the slow-mo of like Spider-Man flying and like the electric charge and like he's like escaping it. Like there was a lot of cool stuff. Oh, and he saves the people on the stairs too. that one scene going back to it was you felt like you were in like a a film realistic version of a video game that kind of like threw me out to like some of those really good ones like we would later see. And but I, I do I see what they were kind of doing with this one is they were trying to get not for the the hokey, you know, yellow and green, you know, mask and stuff like that. So I get that. Of course, they went a little too realistic with some of the villains and it looked a little creepy and, and not good. Well, yeah, when Harry turns into the goblin, which I think is, he looks very creepy. Like, you know, he's got the disheveled hair and his face. He's got the creepy smile and his nails and stuff. And the glider, it's great, but it needed to be like its own movie because it feels so, it feels so tagged on at the end of this film because it's like you have this giant fight scene with electro and you know the whole city's power has turned off and he saves them uh you know defeats electro um with a charge which is kind of cool and it's like all right done save the day and then got the girl we're all good what is like the laugh and then (laughs) and then him like he comes on the glider and he like looks at gwen looks at spider-man looks at gwen he's like peter it's like Really, like that's the way he's gonna discover that it's Peter Parker, and he's like, "Well, I'm gonna take what you love." 
Um, which I mean, this is a comic accurate moment of yeah. uh, the 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 watchtower, the clock tower, and oh god, e- even though I knew it was coming, it's still that sound effect when you know this whole fight scene in the clock tower, and he's trying to save Gwen, and then Gwen falls to her untimely death. Uh, tries to save her and just that that smack when her body hits the floor. Yeah, um, it was an intense moment, and it, it, what's so sad is because we didn't get an amazing Spider-Man three. It's just like watching that you kind of like the way this movie ends of you know he he loses that that desire to want to be Spider-Man anymore. You know, we get the vibe Spider-Man's been gone for a few months because he's lost the what he thinks is the love of his life hasn't met Mary Jane yet. I'm like. We're not we never get a payoff with him because we don't get to see a part three because of what happened with the studios. Uh and it's just like, oh, but that shot, I'll tell you, man, if there is a top like three shots of any Spider-Man film, when when Alexis gets that ridiculous looking rhino uh <laughs> uh suit and Peter Parker does come back and he's like, All right, you know, he's like, Come on, he's like, I'm gonna kill you, Spider. And he picks up that sewer grate and he's like slow-mo knocking the, 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 the rockets, rockets out of the up. way. Oh, and it's yeah. like the coolest, like about to smack him. And then it's like credits roll. I mean, it was such a cool, like that, like there's some great, even like in spite, like the top of the film after this whole sequence with his father, the really cool shot of, you see the logo of what Garfield Spider-Man is. And then it's like, you see the the suit starts to like flap and it's like him flying from the you know he's just falling and, and then like some of the stuff they did with the swinging and the web stuff was really gorgeous and they obviously set up a sinister six that oscorp had this secret project and we saw like vulture wings we saw the tentacles auto, octavia tentacles you know so like there's you know i want a small team uh, i want to keep it small <laughs> how many Six. I mean, great if he just—I was waiting for him to say that. He didn't say six, but you know, obviously at that point, you know, you had Electro was still alive somewhere. Uh, was the was who was going to lead the Sinister Six? Is what Mark Webb had said if they continued. Uh, but you would have had Goblin, Lizard, Vulture, Doctor Octavius. You know, so they would have set up a Sinister Six, and that was the thing. It was going to be a Sinister Six movie, and then Amazing Spider-Man three. Well, unfortunately, part two didn't do as well as I hoped. And that was where, unfortunately, Andrew Garfield's time as Spider-Man came to an end, uh, which was sad because I think he was a good Spider-Man. Like he he was a good Spider-Man. He was a fine Peter Parker. They had some cool concepts in this. They they made it a little different from Tobey Maguire, but unfortunately, that was the end chapter for him there, up until hopefully the, this new movie that we keep thinking that they're going to be in. So it's it's one of those like I you know I've finished the movie and I'm like. Oh, I would have loved to have seen him take on more villains with his version. But what are you going to do? Studios are the studios. So that's where we thought Spider-Man would be done. But no. A new Spider-Man would come that would change the game forever. So let's take a quick break and we'll come back to talk about that Spider-Man. This week, Spider-Man tackles his greatest threat, the multiverse. Spanning generations of heroes and villains, the web-slinging franchise has a slew of incredible actors, but they weren't the only ones up for the job. Here are the audition tapes. Jay Baruchel for the role of Peter Parker. Whatever life holds in store for me, I will uh, never forget these words. Uh, With great power 
comes great responsibility. This is my gift, uh, my curse. Uh, who am I? Am I who? Well, I'm a, uh, I'm Spider-Man. Yeah, I'm the man spider. Uh, spider, spider, uh, spider guy. Pee-wee Herman for the role of Eddie Brock. You're so right. Ah, I'm thinking humiliation. Kind of like how you humiliated me. Do you remember? Do you remember what you did to me? You made me lose my girl. Now I'm gonna make you lose yours. <laughs> How's that sound, tiger? Jack Nicholson for Norman Osborn. You know, you've spun your last web, Spider-Man. Had you not been so selfish, your little girlfriend's death would have been quick and painless. But now that you really piss me off, I'm gonna finish her off. Nice. Slow. And I'm gonna tell her... You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? Oh, it's the wrong mouth. Wrong line. And Jay and I, we're gonna have on hell of a time. Jeff Goldblum reading for Quentin Beck. Mm, yes, uh, you are so gullible. I mean, uh, you're smart as a whip, just a sucker. So now all your friends uh, have to die. Uh, yeah, it's easy to fool people if they're already fooling themselves. But for what it's worth, Peter, uh, I really, I really am sorry. Hmm, yes. Eugene Levy as J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, hello there. Uh, who is this, uh, Spider-Man? You know, he's a criminal. Uh, that's who he is. A vigilante. A public menace. What's he doing on my front page? Moira? David? Alexis? Hello? Jim Carrey for the role of Adrian Toomes. Under the radar. Under the radar. If you bring damage control or the Avengers down here, we're through. You're out there wearing that goofy thing like Mel Carbs. Calling yourself the Shocker. I'm the Shocker. I shock people. What is this? Pro wrestling. Christopher Walken for Otto Octavius. Did Anderson sleep before he saw on the light bulb? Did Marconi sleep before he turned on the radio? Did Beethoven sleep before he wrote the fifth? I mean, come on. No, he didn't. Me, myself, I finally got lucky. In love, when I met Rosie here. Rosebud, I call her. She was discussing T.S. Eliot, and I was discussing... I still don't know what she was talking about. It's crazy. James Stewart for Dr. Kurt Connors. Welcome. My name is Dr. Curtis Connors. And yes, in case you're wondering, I'm a southpaw. I'm not a cripple. I'm a scientist, and I am the world's most foremost authority in herpetology. Oh, well, that's reptiles, for those of you who don't know. So what is this? I'm, I'm a giant lizard. Wow, fantastic. And eventually, these guys came in. Willem Dafoe for Norman Osborn. The itsy bitsy spider climb up the water spout. Down came the goblin and took the spider out. Can Spider-Man come out to play? <laughs> Jameson, you slime! Who's the photographer who takes the pictures of Spider-Man? Elia Baskin as Mr. Dickovich. 
I have ears like a cat and eyes like a rodent. If promises were crackers, my daughter would be fat. Rent? Hi, what's high? Can I spend it? J.K. Simmons for J. Jonah Jameson. Well, it's my fault. I drove Spider-Man away. My god, he was a hero. Spider-Man truly was an asset to the city. Better than my barber. Although I trust him least now. Look at my hair. He was a, a criminal. That's who he is. A burglar. He stole my suit. That was my property. I bought it fair and square. Fifty dollars. I want Spider-Man. I want him. I'm going to spring him up by his rib. I'm going to sue him for everything he's got. Trademark it all. I want Spider-Man. And we're back. So we're here talking about Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man film. Our favorite web slingers of cinema. The webhead of heroes. Well, after The Amazing Spider-Man 2, it would take a few years later until Captain America Civil War for us to get our new iteration of Spider-Man. The first one to be introduced into the MCU, uh, which at that point had been going on since 2008. So that would have been, what, eight years? 2016, I think, was Civil War, right? Uh, yeah, 2016. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, it would have been eight years into the you know start of that. But Tom Holland coming in, this British actor, um, following in the footsteps of Garfield. We've had two British actors now play uh, Peter Parker from Queens. Tom Holland really has taken the role by storm as being just a very lovable Spider-Man slash Peter Parker. I think people have really gravitated to... Uh, first off, he's the youngest one to have played him. Yes. Um, and we're really getting that true Peter Parker in high school, you know, vibe. This is like, he hasn't gone off yet to even start college or, you know, get a job at the Daily Bugle. None of that plot line has happened. And this is the first time, too, we're getting Peter Parker, not just by himself. Although, yes, he has his solo films, but we're getting the heavy... Uh, pair-ups with these big avenger characters yeah he's definitely he's definitely there's a bigger universe than his friendly neighborhood let's just say that bigger than just little old queens in new york um and especially under the uh partnership and somewhat of a father figure of uh tony stark aka iron man so yeah it was cool you know civil war was really i, I think it's a fantastic film it's really fun it is kind of like avengers 2.5 but it was the first introduction to this Spider-Man and also Black Panther. And I actually remember when the movie ended, you know, people were like, were you, were you team Captain America or team Iron Man? I was like, screw that. I was team Black Panther and team Spider-Man because they were the best part of the movie. Um, but it was a fun, you know, we're getting a little goofiness of this Tom Holland character, uh, uh, you know, coming under ruse. And he's like, you have a mechanical arm. That's so cool. Like, you know, he, he... you ever seen this old movie uh, with these uh, start called Empire Strikes Back? Yeah. <laughs> So we're getting the vibe of like, he's a nerdy kid. He has his pop culture references. Obviously the suit's really cool. You know, the eyes can move and like his suit's a little more, uh, I like the design. And then again, yes, he has the, um, you know, it's like, how'd you, you know, design the the webs and like, but what's cool is that we didn't have to go through the whole origin story with this guy. This is six months after he's been Spider-Man. So that was kind of, I like that they were like, we've done this twice before. We don't need to introduce the whole, how did, he, how did he get bit? You know, he's living with Aunt May. We have a younger, more attractive Aunt May, Marissa Tomei, <laughs> playing Aunt May. 
which I think was really that, that was some fun humor of when Tony Stark comes over. You know, at this point, him and Pepper are kind of not they're kind of in a not together phase. So they're he's like, pattern. they're kind of a, I love how he's kind of like hitting on Aunt May. You know, he's like, what are you wearing? <laughs> like, like stuff like that. It's like, oh my gosh. But it was some cool action and it was a great like, okay, now we have Spider-Man and now we're going to get Spider-Man Homecoming, the first of this trilogy of films for Tom Holland. Um, and of course, they'll pop up again in Infinity War. But Homecoming was great. I think, uh, the humor was so fun in that it was like this fast paced editing. There was a lot of great humor, especially for the high school element. Um, you know, cause these are kids that are, they're going through puberty. They're going through that time where like they're first discovering about romance and like, uh, you know, teen angst and all this kind of stuff. And so him tackling all of that while also, having to learn about like you know okay i did a mission with the avengers i'm ready for my next one hey guys you know he, he's constantly trying to contact happy and he's like i'm ready all all the while realizing that there is a bigger threat right in his own area and we get of course the great the one and only michael keen coming in uh villain duty here as vulture uh awesome just Awesome. Yeah, I think we were really excited to have Michael Keaton return to the comic world, but here now in Marvel Land, and him playing this villain, he was just did a great job as Adrian Toomes, aka the Vulture, it was just well well casted and just well set up for this villain origin story as well. Yeah, I liked how they set up for him that you know he's part of a group that after the attack on New York, obviously there was some alien stuff that was left over, so like they're basically like hoarding some of these this tech trying to sell it off, make weapons, you know, they're just trying to make a living. And that's something that is unique about that character is he really is, although he's kind of doing this illegal activity, it's all for the betterment of his family, you know, which a lot of times we see these villains that are like, they're not doing it out of just to be evil. It's, it's to survive. Um, but that was, I'll tell you, I remember in the movie theater, the first time I saw homecoming, the twists of, you know, we have all these sequences where, Peter goes off with especially his uh, debate team. And this is all, we don't know who MJ quite is yet. We, you know, Zendaya hasn't been revealed till near the end of the movie to be MJ. The girl that he's into the whole time, uh, who's on the debate team. And eventually it's like, oh, will you go to homecoming dance with me? And it's like, yes. And then the, the twist that they get to the house and the door opens and it's Adrian Toomes. And I remember the whole audience was like, oh my god like oh no it was a really surprise and really nice twist for that film where you didn't see that gonna happen um and i just love then when they, he drops him off and he realizes that peter parker spider-man he's like and then he turns over and he's just like hey kid you know friend spider-man it's just like such a great menacing moment and just like you know he has the gun he's like all right you know i this is me saving your life and he's like um I think a thank you, you know, as an art. And he's like, thank you. And it just such a good scene. He's like, ever, ever mess with my business again, I'll kill you. And he's like, now go in there, show my daughter a good time. Not too good a time. <laughs> just the menace. And I love how immediately Tom Holland, you know, on his face, you realize he's like, I have to leave. I have to do what I have to do to, to you know. And it was a great first, like, solo film for, uh, I think John Watts had a great idea of where this, energy needed to go for this character um a great setup with the friends 
and you know now we're getting zendaya kind of this we're not going the mj route that's comic accurate of like the redhead it's like the popular girl we have the kind of nerdy offshoot weird one that makes these funny comments and even the humor with like the i love the teacher of the debate team is like really nerdy and like there's just a great direction for this to set up and of course the partnership with iron man you know him kind of playing the father figure we don't have uncle ben so we don't get the great power great responsibility vibe but we get the you know if you're no good without the suit you don't deserve the suit you know who are you with all these tech gadgets him kind of discovering that he is spider-man you know it's like he has a duty so that was great and then of course we go into infinity war uh which was awesome we get that incredible spider suit that he gets with the the spider the iron, legs the iron spider man Ooh, oh man that thing can that thing is epic uh and that was just fun you know as, as you know we're coming to the accumulation of 10 years of films you know even though spider-man came in the tail end of it still played a big part in that infinity war and you know especially for tony and it's also like even though he hasn't met many of the avengers or these superhero characters it was so exciting to see him interact with all these characters like dr strange and you know the Guardians of the Galaxy, so that was really exciting. Then we're getting this good, great crossover with Spider-Man and other films, and getting to actually d- meet other super friends. You know, is it Footloose he talks? Yeah, is yeah. Footloose still the greatest movie of all time? It never was. Yeah, <laughs> and what? you see Peter Quill's like so upset. Uh, but yeah, some great action sequences in there, and uh, to see like an epic kind of grand scale for Peter Parker, especially to. For this kid that, you know, has only really seen so much so far to then be full blown into space, you know, he's with in space with Iron Man and Doctor Strange and these guardians trying to take out Thanos and uh, and that heart wrenching moment when he fades away after the snap and Tony just realizes that, you know, I, they did such a great job of setting up why a big part of why Tony would even bother to go with the whole time heist and end game. Uh, and again, you know, right now, folks, we're talking about this. If you haven't seen any of these movies, I don't know where you've been. Like, why are you, why are you listening to this? You know, you're not MCU comic, movies. Right? You have a year max. If you yeah, don't, and months. right now, Disney plus they're all on there. 79.99 a year. We talked about it. So, yeah. um, but it's like, you know, end game. I love that moment where, Tony's in the kitchen, he's doing dishes, and then he pulls out the picture again of him and Peter. And like they they really did, you know, set up a great relationship of this father-son kind of element of why why he decides, like, you know, he needs to save everyone that was lost, and especially to see when it all works out, uh, them hugging, and it's kind of bittersweet because finally they are reunited. There's this huge fight sequence, and then of course, how the movie ends with Tony sacrificing himself. It's kind of uh, a bittersweet moment because we don't get a lot more time with him, but that sets up Far From Home in such a big way of who's going to take over for Iron Man and how Spider-Man, he sees him everywhere and almost like ghost form. It's like, you know, he's haunting him because, you know, everywhere he goes, there's this Tony Stark, you know, the hero of our, of our world. You know, he sees him on planes. He sees him everywhere. And the whole concept of going to Europe for Far From Home and he just sees him everywhere. And that was actually, I think, a good, it was a good way to set up Quentin Beck as Mysterio is somebody that used to work for Tony. I thought that was a great, again, taking these, these classic villains in the Spider-Man lore, but finding ways to 
make the concept work for the MCU. I thought it was really well done. And they, they definitely think that they made Spider-Man fit into the story very organically because, again, his superhero origins are very small time. He's in New York City just kind of, you know, helping out and doing like, you know, just a guy from Queens. Um, so I, I agree. And I, I think it was interesting that, again, his legacy with Tony Stark is kind of inspiring him. That was it was a good way to see it still echoes uh, throughout his time, even even in Tony's death. Yeah, and then Far From Home, you know, the glasses is a big part. Uh, and, of course, he stupidly gives it up to Quentin Beck, which sets up a whole second half of the film. But there's a lot of cool concepts in part two I thought was great, especially Mysterio is a hard one to do visually, but this is the time and era to do it. There was rumors back with Sam Raimi that Bruce Campbell was going to do Mysterio at some point because it's kind of revealed that he's been an actor all along in these films. Um, but that actually never came to the light of day. But this, I thought Jake Gyllenhaal was was perfect in this. He had that, he had that vibe of like he is your your friend and your ally, and then just to see him turn and be like this very ham it up actor, you know, type thespian that, uh, and some of those nightmare sequences again playing up like some of the horror was really well done uh, for. You know Peter Parker to go through, especially that sequence where he sees like a zombie Iron Man coming out uh, to attack him, and that was all really cool. I thought they did Mysterio really well, um, and with all the the um, illusions, yeah, the drones, you know, and the illusions, the drones, and how like you know the elementals and all that kind of stuff. I think Far From Home was a was a great follow up. It had a lot of good stuff in it, and that's where we were left off with our our friend uh spider-man and that was that was too if you remember far from home was the last mcu movie pre-pandemic so i remember like that came out summer of 2019 and then we didn't get another movie until black widow came out finally in summer of 2021 this year so we yeah we, we had a huge vacuum we had a huge vacuum of time but we did have so you know obviously now we have no way home this is the the completion of uh what they're calling the homecoming trilogy the this first trilogy but now we have these reports you know obviously we're going to do our no way home spoiler review later this week uh to talk about i mean all the trailers i mean it looks so exciting to have these villains come back his his partnership with dr strange uh obviously that was a huge moment at the end of far from home and not only do we get Jay Jonah Jameson back uh, in a kind of different format where he's kind of got more like a, like a kind of sticking with die the times of today, you know, newspapers are kind of no longer a big thing. They still exist, but people nowadays get their news from, you know, podcasts, from YouTube, from videos, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I thought that was kind of fun and he's bald. So clearly it's a, it's a different look, but it was so great to have him back. But that mysterious revealed that Spider-Man is Peter Parker, you know? So it's like, Oh, crap uh so curious to see no way home we'll get all that review this week but we did get at least a different iteration that for some really is i think stands out as one of the best spider-man films we're getting a sequel i think next year we got to talk about spider-man into the spider-verse to close up our spider-man uh in film this movie that came out in 2018 is incredible and this is a great you know, we haven't had Miles Morales in the MCU yet. Hopefully we'll get that one day. I think it'd be great to see a live action Miles Morales. But 
this was fantastic. This is the first off the animation style of this film is incredible. Something very different than I had seen before. And I think this really focused on that. Uh, and there's also times in the film where it has um, different comic book kind of scenes. I thought it was really very good comic illustration style that I really enjoyed. And it was a bit trippy at times. Like, and it's such a colorful, bright and vibrant movie. Oh my movie. gosh. Uh, yeah, it really pops on screen. And it has just this, yeah, the, the style they did was so perfect. Um, but a great Miles Morales story where you gain, you know, this, this, the spider verse, you know, having, you know, a little bit of the multiverse already, which obviously no way home is going to play into, but having all these different spider men and women from different realms was such a cool concept. Spider animals. Yeah. <laughs> and, and spider ham. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just like, you know, even like the beginning, you have, you know, one version of Peter Parker, uh, played by Chris Pine and he's finding this giant version of Green Goblin which was crazy and we have Kingpin truly uh being massive as Kingpin I mean the dude looks huge but then you get universe part 2 and it's uh you know it's a different more disheveled uh Jake Johnson playing Peter Parker uh, kind of taken under his tutelage you know he's like you have to help me be Spider-Man it's like are you going to eat this fries <laughs> And I love that he's kind of disheveled because he's broken up with MJ in his world. And like, just, there was so many great comic things that even if you aren't a big fan, I think you could pick up on, but having some great villains in here as well, having a female Doc Ock, uh, and of course having Uncle Aaron be Prowler, just a lot of great stuff. And then we have Scorpion in here. Like there's some, you know, great villains. And it just was such a fun film that I think, yeah, a lot of people do, they do kind of, I've had friends say this is their favorite Spider-Man film ever made. Uh, and we are getting a sequel uh, coming up, but it did win the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature, um, which was the first, it was the first non-Disney or Pixar film to win since 2011 when Rango won. So clearly there was, uh, in, and we just, you know, recently as video game fans, you know, we love the 2018 Spider-Man game for PS4. And they had, you know, the Miles Morales uh, kind of pseudo sequel, kind of its own thing. Uh, he was introduced in that video game. And then he's had his own adventure. And of course, Spider-Man 2 is going to be really exciting because it's going to be Peter Parker and Miles Morales tag teaming. But it, it's clear people have had a love for this character. It's nice to see someone that's not Peter Parker uh, as the as the lead, and I do think it's time to get Miles into the MCU, uh, especially now because we've been told that Tom Holland is due to now to do a new trilogy uh, after No Way Home. There could be a way to introduce in this multiverse a Miles Morales and have him partner up uh, in future film. They, they've they've teased with it with the Tom Holland when we had um, uh, Uncle Aaron Aaron Morales where. Um, True, that's right. Donald Glover. Donald Glover uh, played it in um, Homecoming. In the first it was a little Homecoming. Brief, brief thing. So I would love to see then him, him becoming the Prowler. And then, you know, they could do quite a bit. And we've, we've already got an announcement uh, as this just a few days ago that they are going to have a whole new trilogy with Tom Holland back. So that'll be interesting to see maybe how they can introduce uh, Miles Morales within the cinematic universe. And, and Miles Morales has quite a bit of a rogues galley for himself to fight. And I think it's great where he has the humble origins of being just a kid from Harlem. And I think, uh, you know, and also having that Afro-Latino le um, lineage 
is just, I think, really great. And especially as we see what we've seen with the uh, new Spider-Man films with Tom Holland, we've seen this great multi-racial and multicultural casting. I think that's really great because it does show that this is, especially if you're going to film somewhere in New York, it's a melting pot of all different cultures. And I think that's what, what really represents a bit of the spirit of Spider-Man is kind of set out to do. Yeah, so I'm excited to see what they do with the sequel, and I'm sure if they, you know, if it turns out well, they'll keep making it. But I'm, I'm betting we're going to get Miles Morales at some point. Uh, it's like if we're going to do three more movies, at least with Tom Holland, we got to introduce that at some point, which would be awesome. Especially if you're going to, if you're going to keep it more in the realm of Spider-Man villains and not so much the MCU, like still have you know characters pop in, that would be a lot of fun to see. But it is just you know trying true that spider-man on screen has been such an exciting journey to see even through the ups and the downs you know not everything has worked but a lot of it has been entertaining and it just you can see that clearly spider-man is still such a top choice character that everyone loves something about the the way that it's the humor, it's obviously the powers, the suits, the villains, a humble beginning of a kid um and uh, yeah, just like, you know, anybody, the idea that anybody can be Spider-Man, not everyone can be, you know, Iron Man or, you know, the Hulk, but almost anyone could be Spider-Man. Yeah, just got to get bit by a radioactive spider. Yeah, <laughs> that's not that hard. So anyway, we will definitely have a No Way Home spoiler review later this week. But we thank you for listening to this little bonus episode. We had to get it out because it's just, you can't. We had to swing it in for you. We had to swing it right in. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I like what ah. you did there. Taylor, get me a page. Number one, get that picture going. Um, but anyway, folks, we uh, we wish you all a Merry Christmas for those who celebrate and Happy New Year. Happy holidays to everyone. Uh, obviously, we're going to continue to bring you our reviews and maybe a couple of bonus things along the way. But stay tuned. We will have season three announcements earlier in 2022, because guess what, folks? We're far from done. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.